With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Another episode of Scatter Chatter. I'm your boy Jess Ray. Uh, tonight, before we get started, uh, I do want to send some love and prayers and positive light to my co-host uh, Will93. He's got some stuff he's going to take care of with his family, so he's going to take a little bit of time away. Want to send him some love. So, all of you audience members that are affiliated with him or know him on the page, please send him some love. Um, and moving forward with that, please take the time out to leave comments on our fan page and on the actual Blog Talk Radio Tribe, True Tribe Radio. Leave uh, comments there. And if you have any questions or whatsoever, you guys know how to reach out to us. Tonight, uh, I have a very special guest, my really dear close friend, uh, Wendy Fong. She has an agency called Chief Gigs, and they're going to be doing some stuff regarding to diversity and inclusion. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to let her take over and explain what she does, and then we'll we'll go on with the show. Hello, Wendy. Hello, Jess Ray. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, no problem. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Good. So, uh, tell so um, just. For the audience to know, like me and Wendy, like a long, long, many moons ago, we did magazines and things, and she's gone on to live life, and she she has this agency called Chief Gig. So go ahead and explain what the agency is and what it does, and then um, yeah. we'll go on from there. Okay, sure. So Chief Gigs is currently just me. I had hoped to add more fractional chiefs sooner, but COVID is throwing a wrench into those plans. I'm an executive oh. with over 20 years of experience in operations, HR, mergers, and acquisitions, and I'm also an investor and advisor in startups. Um, and then uh, on the side, I chair a nonprofit that fights human trafficking in the Houston area. Oh, okay, wow. So that, that's a... <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> that's from magazines to doing some major, like, serious stuff right now. That's not anything to play with okay yeah that's that's how i do i like go big or go home yeah you're in texas that's the model right (laughs) yes for sure (laughs) so okay so what motivated you to do chief gigs after all of your uh, experience in the business world and doing everything that you do you know, I think I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Um, I've either started my own companies or, you know, <clears throat> really worked for really fast-growing companies. 
And like you and I did, we started magazines and, and we three parties and we did promotions, right? So I did work for several larger organizations, but I found that the higher up you go um, in the organization, the more power you have, the more discrimination uh-huh. you face. And I actually remember oh. this specific point in time when I fell out of love um, with corporate BS. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, yeah, our organization initiated a project to restructure titles and employee classes, right? And I had a job mm-hmm. class that only one other person in the company of over 20,000 employees had. So naturally, we kept in touch. And when his position was changed from our old title to a new one, it's a better title, the pay didn't change as long as you stayed in your range, but it was a better bonus structure. I reached out to my HR representative to inquire. So she let okay. me know that our department would be reclassed later, but I, I did qualify for that reclassification. So I didn't mm-hmm. really think to let my direct supervisor know about this, this conversation because I just expected that it would happen for me. Um, then a few months later, someone else in my department, a male colleague, got the new title, and when I asked my boss about it, she told me it was a reclassification and it didn't apply to my position. She downplayed it, um, saying, yep, saying that it really wasn't a promotion anyway, right? So she was pretty surprised to learn that I had already talked to HR, so naturally I fought for my title, and, Mm -hmm. you know, she just made it seem like it wasn't automatic, that I was going to be reclassed. She acted like she had to fight for me. And then she demanded my gratitude when it happened. Um, what? And then, you know, Demand- yep, yep. Demanded? <laughs> yeah. She, so when my bonus letter came in, I didn't call her. And so she called me and said, well, you know, <laughs> well. <laughs> so, I mean, all of this, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. So all of the people involved in the story uh, are white, of course, except for myself. And both of the people who automatically got new titles were white men. So as you can see, like, even though an organization could have structure in place to be unbiased, it's those executing the work, right? Executing and and those who have power to execute it that can still affect inclusion. So I guess I just didn't really want to deal with that anymore. So here I am where I can reap the benefits of my own hard work. Wow. Okay. And I know you, like you work, like you don't sleep sometimes, coffee and you put it in. So I don't. Thank you. Wow. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I, I know. I work with you guys, so I can say that. I've worked with you. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, okay, so so let's talk about what you're doing and what you're going after. You're talking about uh, the diversity, equity, and inclusion. What exactly mm-hmm. does that mean, like in layman's terms, so like a a person that has no idea, they just know they're hearing these words. What does that actually mean? What are we saying? Yeah, so I think that it's it's a journey. And if you asked me five years ago or even six months ago, the meanings would have been different for me. Um, okay. I, being Chinese, you know, I always thought that I was diverse. I was one of the minority, and I kind of just accepted that, right? Um, but right. in my mind, those, those are ever-changing terms because we as people are ever-changing. So right. even the word freedom has different meaning to different people because I mm-hmm. work in, you know, anti-human trafficking, right? So right. to me, it's really where you're sitting at a particular point in life. 
um, you know, you and I worked together on an Asian American magazine back in the 90s, geared towards breaking stereotypes. Yeah, right. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So breaking stereotypes of the model minority, you know, so I was well versed in inequity, um, privilege and racial injustice. But for me, I think the most difficult idea for me to get is how I was complicit in racist systems. So like how me being Chinese, which has close proximity to white, gave me so much privilege that you didn't have that, you know, our other partner didn't have. And I didn't see right. myself different from my black and brown friends, which was a huge miss. So that's why I say we evolve in our learning and growing and our, our definitions keep changing. Right. And then I, I want to also add that it was in the, I don't want to say the deep South, but we were in the South also. We were, we were. And it's crazy <laughs> because it, you know, here in Texas or up North, there's, there's racism, but it's it's hidden, you know. And in the deep, deep south, you know how people feel about you. Oh yeah, they don't like you. They just tell you like, where are you doing this? Like, why? Why? Where are you doing? Where are you doing yeah. right now? <laughs> okay, yep. so in, in that, what topics are specifically a part of the conversation when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion? When it comes to chief gigs, like, what are the main like things that you specifically talk about in your company or your organization? Yeah. Yeah, so I talk a lot about, um, you know, structures at work, right? Just like the story I told earlier about, well, there was a structure to reclassify people, but it's still, people were still, you know, marginalized, right? And so I kind of talk about structure because you can t- tell people till they're blue in the face, um, you should stop smoking or you should exercise or you should eat well, but knowing is actually not half the battle is what I say. Like knowing just, you just know, right. And unless you put in the structure and the systems to, to bypass all of the bias and bypass all of the the racism, you actually can't, um, you know, create change. And so you really need to speak to the people who are doing the hiring. They're doing the enforcing of this. Right. And, and it has to come from the top. Right, right, absolutely. And then they have to, like, implement changes and actually put in their policies and procedures. Right, so, right. So, yeah, I, I get it. Um, is there a specific part of culture uh, Chief Gigs is attempting to create solutions for, like racial or gender-wise? Um, I would say I focus on all issues relating to diversity because when people think they want diversity, they bring in diverse folks, Right without really understanding how to make your workplace inclusive. And then it causes so much more harm than good. There are all Mm -hmm. these studies that show how diverse workplaces perform better financially. And so companies are just thinking, oh, they can just hire a bunch of people who are different and then expect their bottom line to be better. But it doesn't really work that way. You actually have to listen to those folks, you know, Um, and that's where we're not getting much traction. Yeah. Yeah, it's just very interesting because uh, we recently got a uh, – what, what was it? We got a letter in the mail or through email, and I think the one of the guys was mentioning doing the diversity and inclusion. I had an actual private conversation with him, but mm-hmm. it's like some of the policies and procedures, like there's not any headway on 
you know, actually making a benchmark date to actually change, like, things to show that we're making, like, any progress. It's just, like, I'm having the conversation, but I can't give you any solid dates on, like, any, like, small minor changes just to show that there's an effort being made. Or, or, Or even, like, I can't really say this, but it's, like, in some of the letters, like, they're talking about, like, uh, addressing black. But it's, like, the 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 C-suite level people, they're not black, and they're just saying black. They should, like, use another non, I don't know. Or maybe it could be me, but I think that there's a better term so you're not singling a party out, you know? Right. If you're not a part of that party, I don't know if that's a right thing to do or if that's a wrong thing to do, but it just didn't, it didn't sit right with me. And then it didn't really include, like, the – the leadership or go out of their way to find the leadership that was of color to put in those meetings to implement change in the whole organization. So it was kind of, it was an interesting conversation. I don't know where that's going or where that might happen. So. Yeah, no, I think right now a lot of companies are just making these statements, right? Like we stand with black lives matter, you know, and we do this or, you know, we, we, are really upset about the murder of George Floyd, but then they actually have no idea what they're really talking about. And that's when the harm comes. It's like, okay, let me just hire a bunch of people and it'll make us look good. But that's not really, that's not really how it works. (laughs) And I actually have a story about that. Uh Uh-oh. Go ahead. Yeah. So this is a big one too. So I was hired as the VP of operations for this company, right? And from the beginning, the people who interviewed me were very clear about how the industry was male, stale, and pale. Um, those are their words, not mine. And that they want to change. Yep. They wanted diversity, and I'm the change maker they wanted. So I felt like I had won the lottery, a company who actually wants you to be who you are. Um, right. But then once I got in there and actually had a voice, I found the same resistance that many people of color, especially women, find. Um, There's a flow chart that, you know, shows the problem, you know, women of color have in the workplace um, by this organization called Safe House Progressive Alliance for Nonviolence. And when I saw Uh it, I was floored. Like, every bit of the flow chart happened to me, from tokenism to microaggressions to denial of racism, and then retaliation and gaslighting it's like they have a playbook on how to on on, on how to be racist like somehow somewhere along the way they just learn okay this this is what you do to to have the diversity and then this is what you do to get them out you know and it wastes my time and it wastes their time like i don't want my time wasted wow so okay i heard a term microaggression do you know what that is exactly, or can you define that for the listener? Yeah, sure. So microaggressions are everyday statements that might seem like it's nothing, um, but it actually kind of wears at you, right? So, for example, for Asians, it can be, oh, where are you from? You know, automatically assuming that I am an other. I'm not from here. I don't belong in this group. You're automatically assuming that I'm an other. Or you're so articulate, like, you know, you expect me to not speak English well, right? 
And so oh, no. just little little things that may be well-meaning, um, but if you really sit down and think about it, it's, you know, definitely a, a jab. Oh, yeah. And if it keeps going, it's not it's not really good. Wow. Right. Um, okay. All right. So next question I was going to ask you. So, Chief Giggs, what, who, who are you for? Like, what organization would call you? Is there, a, like, a Fortune 500 or just a mom and pop? Like, who, who calls you? So I work with organizations of any size, but my true love is really for the small to medium-sized businesses because generally they don't have the resources that larger companies do. And hopefully they're large enough to um, have the energy to uh, devote to, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, And they need a committee to keep the learning alive after I deliver the workshops and the training, right? Um, And Uh that's meant for both employees and leaders, you know, that they need to go through a journey and they need to have time to do that. And so what, is there like a process, like a a vetting process or something? Um, You know, Jeff, I I talk to the people and generally if they're willing to have their, so so the sessions, there's three sessions, right? The first session is for all the employees. It's about privilege and unconscious bias. And then the second session goes into systemic racism and how it affects current events. And then okay. the last session is for leaders, and they assess where they are on the journey and what changes that they want to make to be a more inclusive workplace. So if somebody's willing to spend that much time um, and, and pay me for it, then that's pretty much the vetting per- process because, you know, it does cost a lot of money to have your employees being in a workshop, right, for half a day. So, yeah, that kind of tells me they're committed Oh, okay. All right. That's cool. That's cool. Man, you're really doing your thing. Okay. So in that, right, so what are the trends that you are, are you seeing as far as, like, diversity, equity, and inclusion? Like, is there, like, a – do you see a common thread that, that's happening or what people are discovering in those questions or in yeah. those dialogues? Yeah. So we still have – so, you know, when you talk to people in general, you run the gamut of – you know, people who are just brand new on the journey and they know they want to do something, but they have no idea how. And then you, mm-hmm. you have someone who is super well-versed on racial injustice. And so what I'm seeing is a lot of Facebook groups getting together. Like the parents at my son's school, we have um, are, are asking for opportunities to discuss racial injustice, right? So we started a book club. Um, we have, you know, at the nonprofit organization that I chair, we have board members asking questions. So there's just a lot of activity right now leading to some good policies being made, like reparations in Asheville. Um, but I'm not jumping up and down for joy yet because it's just the beginning of a very long road. Okay. So wait. All yeah. Right. I, I, did, I, I didn't – I didn't get to ask you this, but, like, how are you doing that with the whole COVID thing? Are you doing, like, a Zoom call? Is it a Skype meeting? Like, what? how are you doing yeah. it now? So it's a Zoom meeting, and um, it actually is quite difficult, right, because when you're over – when you're virtual, it's harder to, to gain trust. And especially if there are attendees who 
you know, aren't as comfortable with each other, so they might not speak up. Um, so I do mm. say that it ha- is a challenge. Um, but like tomorrow, I'm driving to Austin to deliver a workshop for one of my clients. So it really okay. depends. Um, most people want Zoom, um, but if you want face to face, I'm willing to be there as well. Oh, I just pray. Please be careful for you and the little one and the fans. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll have my mask on the whole time. <laughs> and, hand and it's actually a medical practice. Yes. So they know how to, you know, stay safe. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. Let's see. Is, um, is there a common question that the leadership is asking during the conversation? Like, so I don't know, Are you when you're dealing with C-suite or maybe like, is, I don't know if it's middle management is the next level after the C-suite. Are there any, like, common yeah. questions that are asked, What and what are they? Yeah, so I think many people in leadership really just have never thought about, you know, the E&I before, and they now know they need to do something in response to everything that's going on in the world today, but they're at a loss. Like, they don't really want it to seem like a token gesture, but they have no idea how to go about having a conversation. So that's why there's mm-hmm. just been an explosion of knowledge, right? All these books about anti-racism, white fragility, you name it, they're all sold out everywhere, like from Amazon to black-owned bookstores, everything is sold out. So that's, that's the common question is just I need more information. I need to understand this better, which I okay. am just super happy about. Yeah. So, I mean, but through your practices, have you, like, kind of found, like, what are the solutions or what they should be doing? Is it, like, is it, is giving back to the community that they're immediately impacting, is that what they should do? Or, I mean, besides the learning, because you can learn all day, but if you don't do anything or if you don't change as a person and give back, then it's pretty much a waste of time. So what what have you seen that has been uh, working yeah, I I do think that giving back to the community is great. I also think, though, that it takes um, so long for people to get there uh, because you're, you're talking about, you know, people who still say, I don't see color, right, or people who don't oh, no. understand or don't that. know. I know. I'm like, well, you see me. <laughs> Am I the same color as you? Um, but, you know, they don't know about systemic racism or they don't know about history. So I, the, first, the first step is really learning, right, and kind of internalizing this new information and, and exploring internally. And then I really encourage companies to have conversations to promote conversations and to, you know, have a culture where people can call each other out. Um, There's actually an article that came out a long time ago called front stabbing, right? So instead of backstabbing, you you front stab, like you are Mm -hmm. trying to help your coworker be better and you are going to call them out and you make yourself available to, to the criticism and you learn how to take it. You know, you learn how to say, okay, I hear that that was I didn't know that before, and I'm willing to rethink this, right? So mm-hmm. I think it a lot of it, a lot of the action is actually just human nature, just understanding and learning how to 
not be defensive when somebody says something to you. And then, you know, once you get there, then we can talk about how do we give back to the community, right? Right. But yeah, I'm, this is this is funny. I'm about to say this, but uh, who said this? Uh, uh, every every white person or person that is non not of color should ha- have a person of color that's their friend. Like there, somebody said that you should have like a black friend to help you understand or help you navigate like what you should do, what you shouldn't do, and what you should say and not say to keep from getting. As to say, getting messed up, but they don't say messed up. Yeah. They say the F word. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> like, it's it's not on black people to educate you. You should just know what is, what is, um, you know, offensive. But I do have to say that I have had so many black friends throughout my whole life who've been so generous with me, who's been so generous with teaching me, telling me. You know, like I remember complaining about, I don't know, complaining about working at a corporate job and not being having to cover my tattoo or something. And Uh one black friend said, Wendy, I still can't wear my hair natural. And I was just like, okay, you are so right. I am so sorry. Like, I will just shut up right now. You know, so if you don't have those, if you don't have those relationships, you would never know. Like, you would just think woe is me because you you never know the hardship of anyone else and nobody's going right. to tell you like they're going to they're not going to walk around broadcasting it hmm wow that's that's so that's so interesting wow uh, okay um let's see what else do we have for you uh common question that leadership is asking like in these dialogues do you, do you have like one major question that everyone is asking like they're like well who do i mean besides the average like most people are going to say like well what do i do but is there something that's like the next level like what's the what are they asking so one question is is it always this uncomfortable like they think that i've had a workshop and then somehow they think that it, it was like a horrible workshop because everybody leaves it feeling you know it's just a weird vibe and everybody's feeling like, un- discomfort right and I'm like, no, that's act- yeah and i'm like that's exactly how you should feel <laughs> you haven't had to feel discomfort all this time so nope nope that is actually exactly how you should feel so that's actually something that i've um gotten it's just like you know when the training ends it's like oh wow you know it it, it didn't end with balloons and cake I'm like well it's kind of a serious (laughs) topic (laughs) you know okay so after they feel icky like how do you help them through that like what do you do like do you just be like okay hug your friend don't touch me because I'm leading this thing like what do you do (laughs) yeah you just I actually let them sit with it. So I I space my sessions out at least a week apart because I need them to sit with it for a while. You know, I want them to be uncomfortable and I want them to think about it Um, because, you know, that's the whole thing about white fragility. Like they want to stay in the comfort zone. So anything that makes them uncomfortable, they're not going to like it. Right. And they're going to want to, get back to where they're comfortable. 
Um, mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that I, I specifically do is just I'm here to make you uncomfortable because it shouldn't be easy. Like this isn't easy for, you know, people of color. Why should it be easy for you? Right. Wow. Oh, this is some, this is some really tough <laughs> stuff. Um, it um, is, okay. but it's, it's great too. I I love it. So um, I was uh, talking to, uh, I've been really like studying uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And, and one thing that I really wish, I, I hope that there's this nonprofit that I really was working on. And we're talking about cognitive biases. So I'm mm-hmm. wondering, is there, a, is there a common bias when it comes to the diversity, uh, equity and inclusion conversation? Like what's a common bias that's there? Yeah. Um, so I think the affinity bias really affects both hiring and promotion of people of color. So the affinity bias is the tendency for people to connect with others who share similar backgrounds, experiences, and interests, right? So, wow. you know, if you both, if you're both white, for example, and you love the same TV shows and you live in the same neighborhood, it's just an immediate connection. And so when it comes to hiring and promotions, so these decisions are usually made by leaders who are mostly white. So mm-hmm. they end up hiring people like themselves, you know, because they, they like them. They, they, they've already vetted them because they, you know, know their neighbors or go to, their kids go to the same school. So it's really difficult for someone who is unknown to come in and say, hey, look at me. Um, I don't have all these shared um, experiences or, you know, shared likeness, affinity with you, but I, this is why I'm a good hire. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah. it's just that, that foot in the door kind of mentality. Like if you have more of a foot in the door, you can like overcome that as opposed to having like prove right. yourself and doing the, Doing the dance, yep. is how they call it. Uh, yep. I, w- I wish there was a way to, like, overcome that, like, seriously. So this, there this... is. So one oh. – yeah. What, so I actually – I actually um, – I actually sell the software um, called Predictive Index, right? And so in the software, you can tell the software, okay, I'm looking for someone who is in this kind of position, accounting, and they need to be detail-oriented. They need to maybe be reserved. Um, they need to be conscientious and, and take the work slowly because, you know, they're dealing with numbers, right? And you come up with this uh-huh. profile. Um, and the profile is objective. It doesn't say I need a white guy or a black guy or an Asian girl or whatever, right? It's, it's just objective. It's just this profile. And then um, when I do hiring, I actually have everybody who applies take the profile and I automatically so I'll set a rule like so let's say I will automatically um, interview the 10 out of 10 matches or the 9 out of 10 matches to the profile and so it's a behavioral analytics assessment that they take and if they fit the profile I say I'm automatically going to interview them so that actually takes out the so so I'm actually um I'm not pre-screening. I'm not looking at names. I'm not looking at where they went to school or what, what places they worked at. I am just going to be more open in how I hire. And that's how I teach my clients to do as well. So, so 
wow, so this is interesting, the predictive index software that you have. So it, yes. it basically measures yes. metrics? Like, is it like, okay, so I'm a, I'm, I want to come work for Wendy Fong Incorporated. Let's just call it that for, okay. for shits and giggles, okay? So I go to Craigslist. Okay. You have an ad or a monster or something. It's like, I'm hiring, mm-hmm. yay, bells and whistles, lights and everything, right? <laughs> so this yep. is going to link to, like, the test, and then I take the test, or do I have to submit the resume? Resume breaks down the keywords, and then it's just like, okay, now you can take the test. So the way I do it, I actually, anybody who submits a resume, I'm not looking at keywords. I'm not looking at anything. Anybody who submits a resume gets the assessment because that way it takes the human out of it, right? Um, I know some companies use keywords and stuff, but with those, you can still have some bias in there because, you know, for example, your job description might say you have to have a master's degree when the job doesn't really require one. And so you're Mm -hmm. automatically, you know, cutting out a, a section of the population who can't or haven't gotten a master's degree, but they have 20 years of experience, let's say. So I really go with the behavioral, and then once I meet them, then I kind of go further down into um, the experience, the skills, and whatnot. So, okay, I, I, I hope I'm not having you repeat yourself. So is this the predictive index software, is this like a proprietary thing and is it kind of like a Myers-Briggs kind of test kind of thing? Yeah, kind of, um, except that oh, it's, okay. so it is, um, it, it's, it was created in 1945 um, and okay. it's similar to Myers-Briggs or DISC, um, but the great part of it is that it only takes about five minutes to take. So I think I've taken DISC before and it was like this, 15 pages long of questions. Um, so predictive index is actually only two questions and it's wow. free choice. So it doesn't, yeah, it, it doesn't force you to make choices. It just says, it just says select, you know, all of the adjectives that you would describe yourself with. Right. And then it comes up with this, this report and everybody who's ever taken it is like floored because they can't believe how a five-minute, two-question test or assessment can, can be so accurate. Um, but it, it actually is. And I'm not the science person behind it. There's a whole team <laughs> um, of science people. Um, I just use it, and I, I love it. And it's, it's geared towards work because it tells you, are you, um, are you proactive or are you reactive? Are you risk-averse or are you comfortable with risk? Um, so you know, that, you know, are you detail-oriented or are you more flexible, right? Um, so it knows, you know, if you know that you're looking for someone for a startup, you really need someone who is, you know, more proactive, more comfortable with risk. And so instead of looking at, okay, this person graduated from here or there, you're actually looking at the profile and what you're looking for for that position. Wow. Well, yeah. okay, this is this one from magazines to like some very sophisticated <laughs> stuff here, ladies. Like you are. <laughs> Thank you. I love I love this. I love I mean just putting people in the right place. Like I love helping people get to where they're happy. And if it means fixing companies so that it's more inclusive or helping companies hire in a more unbiased way, like I just 
I don't know. I just love employees. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know you do. I know you from the beginning, <laughs> and I can vouch for that. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is just a random podcast. Like, I know you personally. You shook hands. You met my parents. You met in my house. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Wow, this is good times. Good times, I know, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh all right, so lastly, um man, I, I really would like to have you on the show to more because I'm gonna have talk more about business and HR and things of that nature. Um you seem to like you got yeah, I'd be it. Like, happy you got it. to. Yeah. Um what are your parting thoughts? Uh, advice for leadership or anybody that wants to like either work with you or do the diversity inclusion conversation and dialogue like what would you have them do anything Um, what you got yeah yeah I would say that creating a truly inclusive workplace where people have the psychological safety to speak up when they're just when they're the dissenting voice that is so Mm -hmm. hard but it is so rewarding and both personally for the leaders as well as financially for the companies, right? Um, but it mm-hmm. takes a great deal of effort, and it's ongoing work. It's not something you just, you know, complete and check off, you know, check it off the box. So, it, you know, you just must be ready for it. Okay. And if you are, call me. <laughs> oh, to drop the number and drop the website. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So you can find me on cheesegigs.com. And that is exactly how it's spelled, chief, and then gigs, as in, like, gig economy. Um, and you can find me on Instagram um, at chief underscore gigs.com. Do you have, like, an 800 number to chief gigs that people can call so they can, like, if they want to set something up and do, like, a, I don't know, do you have an assessment to, to see if they're, like, I do, I qualified? Do. Or, okay. um, yeah, so people actually can um, – uh, I don't have an 800 number, but my email address is on the website, and you can okay. actually um, take a uh, assessment, one of the predictive index assessments. I do that for free so that you can try it out. So people can okay. come to the website, take an assessment, and try it out. Okay. Sounds fair to me. All right. Well, you heard her. She She's doing the thing with the, uh, the uh, diversity, the and inclusion conversation. This is uh, Wendy Fong, uh, a dear friend of mine, and I'm going to close out and say, uh, please, again, send prayers, light, and love to my co-host. He's going to take some time off doing his thing, and um, we hope to have him back soon. And uh, we're going to talk to Wendy again soon. So uh, thank you guys for listening, and um, we hope to hear from you soon. Don't forget, wear your mask and be safe out there. Have a good one. Thank you. All right. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.